Good afternoon, everybody. It's summertime. It means that Window Watch is back and uh, we're going to be talking through all of the Norwich City transfer links, rumours, gossip or not, as the case may be at the moment. Um, Connor Southall joined by Paddy Davitt and Sam Seaman. We'll, of course, want to take your questions as well. So anything of a of a transfer nature that you've got lined up, uh, you should be able to comment on whatever platform you're watching, whether you're watching on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter. There should be a little box down below for you to put your comments in. Of course, that won't work if you're watching this on demand, so to speak. So um, you'll have to just um, put them in the comments below if, if that's the case and we'll get round to them. Um, Paddy, let's, let's start with you then because so far by my reckoning, I mean, we've obviously had the release players, but not including those. We've had uh, Isaac Hayden obviously come through the door from a, an incoming perspective. We've had Dan Adshead, Rocky Bashiri and Matt Dennis all depart. Fairly young players on the periphery who we probably didn't expect to be too heavily involved in Norwich City's um, first team squad next season. And it's already a big squad and we'll get onto that later on. But it's been quite a quiet start to the window. I mean, June tends to be relatively quiet in football circles because it's the time that everyone's on holiday. Um, but it feels especially quiet at the moment compared to maybe other years. I think that's a fair comment, Connor. And if we were doing our jobs properly, we'd have probably actually looked back, certainly in the Farker, less so now, of course, but Weber era, as a parallel and a comparative. And just is it as quiet as it feels, certainly um, compared to previous summers? Obviously, as we all know, there's a lot of immediately after the season talk, but the actual transfer window itself doesn't open until the part of July. We're now past that, sorry, June. We're, we're now past that date. They've done a little bit of business with Isaac Hayden. Good piece of business. I think most most would agree. Certainly ticks a box. And on the face value of it, at least, spoke to a Newcastle fan again yesterday and uh, they can't quite believe that Norwich and Dean Smith, who, who was very prominent in that, that piece of business, as he will be for anything that happens over this summer, um, can't believe that uh, Norwich managed to get him because they, they clearly felt you know he had an injury, which I think coincided with Eddie Howe coming in and then they've gone out and as we found to our cost at Cairo, brought in that brilliant Brazilian, Guimarães, is it? Um, tremendous player. And uh, and really it was timing that they did for Isaac Hayden there by all accounts that, um, you know, if he hadn't been injured when Eddie Howe had gone in, who knows? But um, this fan uh, of many years standing is in no doubt that is an excellent piece of business. So real positive start to a window, which I think is going to be fairly quiet if we're, we're being brutally honest and the scale of it will be completely dictated by outs um, and what I'm going to do at this stage, as I said, I would Connor is I'm just going to yes, track back to, to, to read um, because I think, you know, now with, with the benefit of a few more weeks on, um, you know, this is even more pertinent and this is the quotes from Stuart Webber, who is obviously, uh, you know, the guy who, who drives the recruitment still, um, from that club interview he did at the end of last season now on specifically what this summer would look like for Norwich. And these are his actual words, which so far have been proven to be fairly accurate. And I think this is more or less framing what is going to happen from here on in. And I'll read them verbatim. We don't have a lot of money. We have the ability to do a couple of things. Then it might depend on what happens without. There's always uncertainty when you go down, whether some Premier League clubs want our players who all want to stay in the Premier League. That is obvious. And if we sold one or two, that would help us to do other things. We will do some bits of business, business, but what we have to understand is at championship level, we have quality and depth in our squad. It's not a squad with massively gaping holes at championship level. And of course, we've identified areas we need to strengthen. Um, it's important as well, Dean can bring in one or two rather than ones that he inherited from myself or Daniel Farker. So that essentially was Stuart Webber at the outset of this summer, uh, mapping out what Norwich's strategy is and everything subsequently that we've seen to this point, albeit still relatively early, you know, the window doesn't close until the start of September, I believe, um, has fitted that pattern and will continue to fit that pattern. So they brought in Hayden, Dean Smith himself made it quite clear at the end of the uh, last season, they need a creative player. I did a piece on that yesterday for the Pink and App. Um, the Emmy Buendia shaped hole, for, for want of a better phrase. And I think if they do those two bits of business, I really don't see too much else happening. Um, and what might need to happen is they may need to sell a Max Aarons, a Mila Rashica, maybe a Christos Zolis, um, to, to allow them to bring in the type of creative player they need in terms of the finances available. But beyond that, uh, I think it's going to be very much 
Um, as those quotes say, as Dean Smith said all along, not much in the way of different personnel to the, to the players who came down. And, uh, you know, hence why it feels remarkably quiet because I think that's the way Norwich have to go in terms of the finances and B want to go. Dean Smith and Stuart Webber have spoken at length, as Dean Smith said, from really the turn of the year. These conversations were happening. You know, audits were happening about the squad. Dean Smith was making his final decisions on the squad in conjunction with Craig Shakespeare and Liam Bramley. And they've obviously arrived at a point where, irrespective of the financial um, room for manoeuvre they've got, but that they feel that is a good enough championship squad with those one or two targeted, and we know what they are, defensive midfielder, Tick, Isaac Hayden, and an attacking midfielder. And, and then around that, anything else will depend entirely on the sales. And um, as yet, no players have left. So as a result, there's very little in the way of additional inward business. And I think that will continue um, until we see uh, a departure or two. And uh, whether that, and this is where it'll be interesting now to, to throw this open and get, get the sense from the Norwich fan base, whether that would, would feel sufficient in terms of what they're trying to achieve now moving back into the Championship. I'm very interested to hear. Um, it certainly doesn't feel like a, a massive turning of the dial from from what we ended the last season in terms of that frustration and disappointment and a sense of drift. Um, but ultimately, if they think they've got good enough Championship personnel and they start the season winning games of football in the Championship, then maybe that does nudge everybody in a more positive direction. But certainly at the minute, if 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 there's anybody was hoping for a, a real in lift uh, from business in the transfer window, that hasn't happened. That isn't going to happen, I don't think. No, and it's worth adding as well. Norwich City already have a squad of 37 players. So it's going to be very difficult to either churn that substantially to a degree that Norwich are then able to challenge at the top end of the Championship. We we saw them essentially try and do that when they overhauled the squad when, when Stuart Webber and Daniel Farker first arrived. It took them essentially four windows to get to a stage where they were then um, able to compete at the top of the Championship. So that's not an easy thing to, to do in one transfer window. But also that within that, there's the financial limitations and, and and those elements that you have to negotiate the drop-off in Premier League revenue. And people talk about parachute payments. They are exactly that because you drop off essentially a cliff, don't you, in terms of money. So it's then very difficult, particularly when you're self-financed as Norwich City are, um, to then put a, a host of money into big name signings. So for all of those reasons, along with the ones that you've outlined, I think we're probably expecting A, a quieter summer, but B, Sam, also maybe a summer where we see a few more loans than ordinarily would be the case. Um, we, we've obviously um, already spoken about the importance of, of outgoings to, the bit, uh, to, to what Norwich City do this summer, but as things stand, and as Stuart Webber said in those quotes there, there isn't a huge deal of money to spend. The one deal that they have got in is a loan with, uh, obviously, this obligation, um, which is optional based on uh, performances and, uh, and probably promotion as well. Um, but it does feel like Norwich might head down the route of doing a few more of those deals as they did last time in the Championship with Ben Gibson and Dimitri Shinoulis as well. You're on mute, Sam. I don't think we can hear you, fella. There we go. There we go. Um, yeah, it's obviously something that Stuart Webber is becoming a fan of based, based on the, the sorts of deals he's done over the last couple of years. And uh, it's probably going to be a difficult time to explain that to the fan base or, or for the fan base to be overly happy about that, given how obviously last season's loans went. But you saw actually in the way that Isaac Hayden has talked, um, both in sort of internal club media and stuff he's done around Newcastle, that he's almost already seeing himself as notionally a permanent Norwich player. I saw some quotes where he was saying about how keen he is to sort of end the cycle of yo-yoing and that's obviously beyond um this season and, and he was looking ahead to hopefully keeping Norwich in the the Premier League. So um I, I think it's sort of halfway between what they what they try and do is halfway between a loan and a permanent. Obviously Isaac Hayden is a player they they believe can add to them in the Premier League and it was the same situation with with Ben Gibson and, and Demetrius Unulis. But the benefits to to that sort of thing is that Norwich simply couldn't afford Isaac Hayden on a permanent this summer, but they've managed to get him um you know, with the, the caveat that obviously if he does well, they're going to have to pay that money when they're in the Premier League. But given the, the model that we're all well aware of, um, it's much easier to do that, obviously, once you've been promoted and that gives them that security. So I think 
it, it is sort of the best of both worlds and it's difficult to sit here and, and defend the loan system after what happened last season. But I think that was more poor recruitment in terms of the, the specific players that they signed rather than the decision to, to bring them in on, on loan originally. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what sorts of, of things they do with those. But I would imagine most of those loans, if they believe they could add to, to them in the Premier League, will come with those sorts of options or obligations or more more maybe complicated deals um, in terms of, of how they how they structure those. I think there'd probably be a, a dynamic midfielder on the list as well. I think that's probably natural given given what we've seen in terms of that position um, with Lucas Rupp leaving, Mateus Norman leaving, Billy Gilmore, of course, leaving as well. Um, the latter two with the expiration of their loan. So I could certainly see another perhaps more dynamic midfielder compared to Isaac Hayden coming in, particularly if we see Dean Smith persist with this 4-3-3, which seems to be his, uh, his favoured system, albeit... That, um, I know he's chopped and changed a bit at Norwich City and that he said he's not particularly wedded to a system. Um, but that does feel like um, that's that's probably the way he would go. And in that situation, you would imagine a number eight style, I suppose, midfielder on that on, on that sh- shopping list as well. Plus a lot more desirable positions on the basis that um, they can obviously get someone out of the door, get a couple of people out of the door. But that at the moment isn't the case so I guess they have to focus on what they're able to do until that becomes a reality so shifting a Max Aaron to Milo Rashica, um, which feels like really the two assets that they'd maybe be open to selling this summer that's before we maybe get into Timu Puki and Tim Krul's situation Paddy I mean it does feel like because we know that Stuart Weber likes to do a lot of business at the start of a window as early as humanly possible clubs like to get players in before pre-season it's not always possible but with the caveat that Norwich City are probably going to need to sell to buy that age-old expression, it does feel like naturally that's probably going to push a lot of their business towards or, or further into the window maybe than they would ordinarily hope. That would be the premise, yeah. But 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 then conversely, if if it's one or two, which again taking taking the sporting director literally, that's that's what they're looking to do. Um, then there isn't that that degree of which is massively important for Smith, and he's reiterated it, that this summer now, having come firefighting mode halfway through last season, inherited a group of players, inherited a, a pretty parlous situation in terms of where they were in the league table, wasn't able to uh, arrest that decline uh, sufficiently. Um, this preseason is when he, as he said himself, towards the end of the last season, needs to really embed what is his DNA, what you're talking about systems there, what style of play does he want, what demands does he want on the players what is a Dean Smith Norwich City look like I don't think any of us know that yet and and this period now leading into the start of the the new season end of July um, is massively important so the fact that it is only seemingly one or two from this point that they're looking to add I think that will aid that process if they have to, to wait to be able to do those one or two bits of business um, the fact that there's going to be a fair degree of consistency in terms of personnel and that, you would hope, uh, would allow him and Shakespeare and Bramley uh, the opportunity to to really, you know, really get to that first game of the season and write, OK, I think we can now see. I think there was, there was evidence of it. I'll, I'll go back to sort of the Brighton draw, uh, the, the Burnley win, where you could kind of start to see, you know, with, with Dowell and Lise Malou in, in more revised positions in terms of cross out midfield, what they were trying to do, but but nowhere near enough to suggest, right, OK, now this is very clear, as it was with his predecessor, what a Norwich team looks like, what they're trying to do with and without the ball. We, we were very far from that point by the end of the season. Um and that's why this preseason, I think, and that will be also, I'm sure, in play, irrespective of the financial elements and the, the limitations that that might be doing in terms of what Norwich could do. If you're Dean Smith, what's the priority? The priority is to get this club back to the Premier League at the first available opportunity. Your chances of doing that are lessened dramatically if it's see you later, 10 or 15 players and bring in 10 or 15. And that's even allowing for the viability of doing that, which in one window is pretty unrealistic. So there has to be a level of consistency rather than uh, overhaul to it, you know, revision rather than revolution, I think, this summer. And um, it's a very fine balancing act that he's trying trying to pull off here because quite clearly that group at that level anyway were not good enough. They didn't deliver. You know, 
they they wasn't able to carry out whatever instructions he was trying to impart on them at that level against that level of opponent. But hopefully, as I say, from a from a Dean Smith perspective, that with the same group of players, and as he was was quite keen to point out, you know, many who have been over this course and distance before, and on the last two occasions came back with a championship title in a, a winner's medal in their back pockets that they're able to go again. But, you know, for me, certainly that there's far less grounds for, for feeling that they can repeat what they did the last two times they're in this division because, because of how poor they were over the back end of, of last season and all the issues in terms of personnel, in terms of style of play, in terms of top end of the pitch, uh, the other end of the pitch. It feels like he's got a huge amount in his in-tray and, uh, you know, it's going to it's gonna take all his experience, I think, along with Shakespeare this summer to, to get to a point where we can see a clear identity and a, and a clear sense of what the direction of travel is under this head coach. Um, and to do that, I think he's, he's, he stands a better chance if it is tweaks rather than, you know, wholesale surgery. So um, it probably suits in that context that they're not going to be overly active. Um, but as I say, the backstop here is the finances and the finances clearly are not of a level that would allow them to be overactive. So um, it's kind of the hand he's been dealt, but but I think uh, it's probably in terms of having a competitive Norwich team, he's going to stand a better chance going with this group of players than, than if it was a case of right watershed moment. We need to essentially uh, reset the clock and go again because... Uh, I think the chances then of them being competing for a top six place come come the end of the season are pretty remote. Yes, agreed. So uh, I think worth worth saying there, financials, the size of the squad. There's there's also a degree of necessity given that there are a lot of players in that squad who maybe won't be given the opportunity to move on this summer based off maybe the evidence of uh, of the Premier League. Certainly um, upwards and for a fee that Norwich City would demand acceptable. Some of those players, of course, that they spent rather big money on last summer. So that makes it more difficult to churn the squad naturally as well because that in any kind of deal you need all for, well, three parties to agree. Essentially, you need the player to agree. You need the selling club to agree and you need the buying club to um, be willing to pay for them. And if, if any of those three, three things aren't there, then the deal doesn't happen um, quite obviously. So um, it, it's interesting, isn't it, Sam, when we talk about Norwich City and the squad, because I think the mood at the end of the season was that the whole thing needed ripping up and starting again. But actually, a lot of people within the squad, a lot of players within the squad have two championship titles on their CV. It's a core of players that has proven in two previous seasons Sometimes some some of them, of course, only in one, some of them in another, um, that it can be successful at this level. And actually, maybe what Paddy has said there about tweaks around the edges and little bits that Dean Smith can just put his handwriting on, so to speak, and little players that he can drop in that will improve this group as a collective, that feels more maybe pragmatic to the direction that perhaps many fans wanted Norwich to go at the end of the season when, of course, emotions were running very high because of their performances on the pitch. Yeah, and I can understand that logic from from the likes of Dean Smith and Stuart Webber that obviously he's got a lot of proven championship players and it's not just the ones that have won titles with Norwich before. It's, you know, he referenced in that interview with, with Club Media that um, they've got a few players coming back off loans with a lot of championship games on, under their belt. So, you know, there is a lot of pedigree. I think the problem with, with that is that Norwich operate on a model where they sell all of their most impressive players. So although um, there are quite a lot of players that were involved in those promotions, you're talking about the the Christoph Zimmermans, Kenny McLeans, who, who, you know, played their part. But, you know, such is the nature of the way that Norwich operate. The key the key men in those those seasons, you know, you look at Emi Buendia, Ben Godfrey, Jamal Lewis even, they've gone. Um, and that's that's the problem when you sort of assess it, is that, you know, yes, it's only one or two or three or four or five different different players to to what won the championship but it's because of that situation the four or five most key players that they've had to had to move on you know even looking at Ollie Skip who they obviously couldn't afford to to hold on to and return to Spurs so you know I understand that and maybe in terms of leadership and and know-how and game management and being able to use that bit of experience and intelligence in the dressing room, they might benefit from that. But I think it's quite reductive to just say that because there are, you know, the likes of Tim Krul or, uh, you know, Max Aaron, well, obviously we, we 
think Max Aaron's maybe won't be there at the start of the season, but you know, because of those maybe less influential players, I don't think I think it's reductive to suggest that this same it's a it's a, a highly similar squad to the one that, that got promoted because, you know, they have lost the, the most important players in, in those campaigns. Yeah, which is an interesting perspective. We've we've had loads of questions in, which we'll we'll come to in probably the second half of of the show. Um, if we spend sort of the next ten minutes or so looking at a, a couple of players and a couple of links that that have emerged. So um, I'll, I'll throw the the Todd Campwell one at you first, Pad. Then he, he was linked with Blackburn over the weekend. Obviously, perhaps somewhat naturally, given that Greg Broughton, who played a major role in Norwich City's academy for a number of years, head of head of recruitment, and did span a lot of other plates as well during that time. He's responsible for a lot of the talent that we're currently seeing breaking into the, the Norwich City first team or has um, broken into the Norwich City first team, has now been appointed their director of football there. That, that does seem a relatively natural link, but for Norwich, does it make sense? You've got a player there who's got 12 months left on his deal. Um, obviously, Bournemouth declined to take up their option to sign him on a permanent basis as they head into the Premier League. What what, what do you make of, of that link? And I suppose Todd Campwell's future more broadly, because I think it's fair to say at this moment in time that it probably feels like it's going to be another loan out, but possibly abroad this time. Is that probably a fair conclusion to reach? Well, I mean, he had a very good time at Sittard, didn't he, over in Holland? I know it was a relatively low level, although he did help get him promoted. Um, and that ironically, was the springboard back into to the Norwich first team. I just think it's, we've said this a few times, uh, it's incredibly sad and hugely frustrating because, you know, we're talking in the first part of this about Dean Smith's need for a creative attacking midfielder. Well, Todd Cantwell, um, fully focused, fully engaged um, and playing in a position on the pitch where he himself has said in interviews he feels that's probably where he logically will end up. He would be the answer. Um, you know, you're not going to get a player who that first Premier League season scored the goals and assists that he did, and really looked at home at the highest level. You know, by no manner of means that he he look out of place in, in Premier League company. And yet, we roll it on, and um, you know, he's had a rather frustrating few seasons with Norwich. And gone to Bournemouth and didn't really feature there over the running. You know, when it got when push came to shove and Bournemouth were on the cusp of and then eventually getting themselves over the line, he wasn't even making the match squads. You know, um, no surprise that Bournemouth then declined their reported 11 million buy option and, and back he comes to send a Norwich take up that 12 month option to protect that asset. But um, it's an incredibly sad state of affairs because, and that's even without, you know, needing to labour the point that he's, he is a homegrown, one of their own Norfolk bred footballing talent who's good enough on his day to, to influence games in the Premier League. But, you know, somewhere along the line, um, Sam and I did a, did our regular Q and A for Pinker subscribers on Monday and somewhere along the line, it's not about a portion of blame or it's, this is all at Todd Campbell's door or Daniel Farker before him or Stuart Webber or some, other constituency, it's it's a collective loss, really, that we have this state of affairs where, essentially, Dean Smith had made the decision, uh, he's not for me, because otherwise, you don't let him go to Bournemouth in January, you certainly don't insert a buy option, because you're essentially saying, if all things went well for him down on the South Coast, he's no longer a City player now, he's a Bournemouth player, and uh, if that's the case, it's very hard then to see him coming back to Norwich and featuring under a head coach who didn't really feel he was part of his longer-term plan. So, um, And it wasn't that Dean Smith didn't fancy him because in the first two or three games when Dean Smith came in, Todd Cantwell was out of deep freeze where he'd been placed um, and was in the team and sadly wasn't able to reach the levels Dean Smith clearly felt and hoped he would do because there's no doubt about it, you know, at the risk of labouring the point. Todd Cantwell would solve that creative midfield issue for Norwich going back into the championship. But uh, I don't see any scenario that he is the answer. And um, and it's just the what next, really. And, and as you rightly said, Connor, linked with Blackburn, that they won't be the last club. I do find it, or I did find it strange, less that it was Blackburn, less that it was a championship club, more more that uh, this loan, if there was no, no sort of buy obligation, which why would there be if it was a season-long loan? He's out of contract, he's a free agent next summer. I think there would be the compensation element um, given his age, but um, that if you're in Norwich's position, I, I essentially saying, okay, a few short months ago, 
we we thought we could get 11 million for this player. Now we're willing to let him go for essentially nothing. But just to, just, just to jump in there, I was going to say, I remember we had conversations last year with, with some some people at, at the football club who, who were quite relaxed about that idea of Todd Campbell. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's my point. You know, if if there's, there's a sense that they could, even if he's not part of Norwich moving forward, but there, there's an asset there and they feel they can generate funds from that asset against the backdrop of a, a squad refresh that is entirely dependent on being able to shift a player or two. Um, why why would they even entertain essentially a potential championship promotion rival? Here you go. Here, have, have Todd Count. Well, we don't want him. You can have him and you don't have to pay essentially um, because, you know, we just want him out of the building. That, that didn't make a lot of sense, that element of that report. So I'm sceptical about letting him go somewhere on loan. Um, but whether it was going somewhere for a, a fee, then then yes, I think to go back to what you said earlier, which is a repeat of what Dean Smith said, if all parties are amenable, deals happen. And, and if all parties were amenable, there will be a deal to be made this summer because Todd Cantwell will not feature for Norwich City. Um, that much is clear. And, you know, if it isn't to be a domestic option, then, you know, that's an interesting one you throw in because he, he has had a good experience out in Holland. And, you know, as he said at the time, that type of football, that technical um maybe less fractious, robust style of football you associate, certainly with the Championship, less so the Premier League in England, but that could suit him. That that could help him. What he needs to do now is reignite a football career, which unfortunately is heading down the wrong path. And it's only him who can do that, him and the people close to him. You know, it's not really now for Norwich City to to put a fire under Todd Campbell. He needs to do it himself. And uh, I'll repeat what I say. It, it would be a tragedy in a footballing sense if he is now persona non grata at Norwich City when Norwich City are looking for creative midfielders who can score goals and can assist and, and have the intelligence uh, to be able to link and bring the best out of the team with Pukki and Adam Eder, maybe a John Rowe and a Tony Springett. Um, but that's where we are and that's where we have been with Todd Cantwell and Norwich City for some considerable time. So they were quite willing to, to sanction his full-time departure uh, this summer. That avenue was closed off when Bournemouth opted not to take the buy option. Um, you know he'll have to obviously report back initially in pre-season. But if you're asking me now, is he is he going to are we going to be sat here next May and Todd Cantwell has played 35 plus games for Norwich? No, I don't see that at all. No, there, there was also foreign interest in January, wasn't it? But I think the 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 idea behind him going to Bournemouth was essentially that he'd get more kind of exposure to put himself in a, in a shop window should that situation arrive in the summer. So um, maybe he, he will look to explore the, the foreign option again this summer. And I guess the other one, Sam, then before we come on to the questions is, is Cameron Archer, who uh, was, was linked by uh, the athletic, um, but is, is also a player that, that we already had an understanding that Dean Smith liked. Obviously there's the, the Villa connection there. I think every team in the championship has been linked with Cameron Archer. So not particularly groundbreaking news, but I think if, if there was an opportunity for Norwich to, to make that happen uh, this summer, then, then that probably would arrive. There would probably need to be some movement in terms of their own forward line, because that's already pretty well stocked as, as we look at it. They've got a team of Buki and Jordan Hugill, of course, returning as well. Um, Josh Sargent and, and Adam Eder. So you've already got a stable of four. That makes it, then quite difficult to introduce a fifth, I would suggest. And so so it does still feel like there's probably a lot that would need to happen. Aston Villa are in the market for a new striker as well. So you're probably saying that they need to um they need to sign someone. So when you kind of add all of that up, it, it still feels like there's a lot to go. But if if we go from what we know, Dean Smith is certainly a fan of uh, of Cameron Archer. Yeah, he's obviously a fan, but it's probably the position where it's most difficult to make it happen for Norwich at the moment. Um, you know, Villa are, are going to be keen to to get Archer as, as many minutes as they possibly can next season if they do decide to send him out on loan. Obviously, we all know the situation is that if Team Puki is a, a Norwich player um, at the end of July, then he starts the first game. Um, and that's probably going to be the pattern for the rest of the season. You know, he's a, a proven goal scorer. Uh, at championship level, proven goal scorer at Premier League level and a key man for Norwich for a really long time now. So I think that would be a, a consideration for Villa when deciding whether to, to let him go on loan to Norwich. Another factor is the, the competition, obviously, that, that as you as you referenced, the Athletic have reported that Watford are, are big big fans of his. And, you know, to, to a club like Villa, the difference between Norwich and Watford isn't really enough that you'd 
you'd want to send him somewhere uh, like Norwich where he's going to play less minutes. You know, if, if you have the choice between Norwich uh, where he's second choice and Watford where he's first choice and expected to start most games, you're always going to cho- choose Watford. So I think it depends on their situation as well, whether Archer would want to want to go there. Um, and yeah, like you say, it's a, a very well-stocked department at Norwich. If, if, he, if he came in, you're probably... I mean, Josh Sargent's chances of playing as a number nine are, you know, ten percent or less. Um, Jordan Hugo, even less than that. You'd probably you'd probably have to offload Jordan Hugo to to be able to justify that move. Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot a lot to do before they they could could get that deal done. But as you said, um, in a, a summer, a quiet summer is is interesting to see a, a genuine link where we, we know for sure that there's interest because there's not been too many of those so far. So, um, you know, understandable that he's been talked about quite a lot, but difficult because of the number of factors involved to, to see him becoming an RFC player this summer. Quite. Uh, right, let's move on to, to some of your questions then. We'll start with um, Nick Deal on YouTube, who said Scott, Scott Twine, sorry, is the big English name uh, being linked to pretty much every championship team this season, attacking midfielder who scores and creates. Um, any Norwich interest? I think the, the reports so far, Paddy, have been around Hull and Burnley um, with, with Scott Twine, who obviously scored uh, an incredible amount of goals and assisted quite a lot in League One last season as MK Dons. Uh, I think they lost in the playoff semi-finals to Wickham, didn't they? So um, still a, a good age. A lot of that would would tick a lot of boxes. I, I would say maybe the cost would would probably be the factor for Norwich City, given reports at the moment are, are saying that um, Hull have, uh, have had a free four million bid turned down and Burnley probably similar. Yeah, just um, actually before you came to me, Econ, I just wanted to check his contract status um, and how long he's got left because that will obviously impact on to uh, you know, the value. Three to four mil rejected, then sadly that's getting into territory Norwich won't be able to go to as it stands. Um, so I think we can put a line through that and, and also... You know, the Burnley fact and our company's gone in there. I saw an interesting piece with, I think, his former teammate at Man City. His name escapes me now. Um, Nedamanua, sorry. And and he was talking about the lure of Vincent Company, you know, in terms of his status and standing in the game and, and how, you know, if Burnley are in for players, it'll be much like, you know, Villa and Gerard, probably that fact, that, that factor. Um, uh, that could be a, a bit of a, decision that players would want to go and work with a, with a guy like that which is no slight or reflection on Dean Smith or any other championship manager but there is a, there is quite a, a box office appeal to Vincent Company and going working with him and what the project is at Burnley but that, I mean we're only you know hypothesizing because they're the clubs who've been linked to this guy um, who clearly had a fantastic season good age profile as well only going to get better you would think um, English player as well I'm led to believe so there's a lot of reasons why a lot of clubs would be looking at him, but sadly, I think that would probably rule Norwich out because if it gets into anything uh, resembling an auction and we're already starting to bid in at four million plus, Norwich simply won't be able to go to those figures. So as it stands, no, I don't see that one. No, me neither. I've uh, I've got to be honest. Um, Jed and Debbie King, who have uh, commented, uh, defensive midfielder. What if Hayden gets injured, back up? Or Jacob Sorensen, of course, still at the club. So I think you'd you'd be looking at that. Obviously, Norwich would be flexible with formations as well, and we don't fully know what that midfield makeup will look like yet. So probably one to answer at the end of the window. Um, I'll, I'll bounce this one back to you, Paddy. Um, Nick Deal has said, why has there been such a shift in the financial situation? I thought the vibe was very much that they'd be able to outbid any championship team they needed to. Um, best financial situation in Stuart Webber's tenure was uh, was the line. And that's certainly one worth saying that was repeated to us as well. Yes, but, but if, if the comparative is pretty parlous finances, then then it probably is the best because they're solvent. And, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, without wanting to be too flippant, the, the, the Madison summer, Madison sale probably stops that club going to the wall. It was as parlous as that. So, you know, you, you, you're comparing situations where it has been pretty much they have to sell to survive to to now where then they're in a situation they don't need to sell along those lines because they need to satisfy um, or, or fill a major hole um, in their finances. finances sorry, but... Uh, but there's a huge difference between being in a healthy state and being able to go and, you know, spend millions and millions of pounds. We don't need to labour the point, but how many millions and millions, tens of millions did they spend last summer? Um, 
and they're obviously dealing with the financial ramifications of that, you know, continu- continuing to, you know, there's still liabilities from those deals as well, because that's the nature of how deals are structured. You don't put down 11 million pounds for, for Mila Rashid to Verda Bremen last summer, you know, it's staged payments. And uh, as a result, you know, yes, they are. And it was communicated to us by people inside that football club that they are in a, a solid, sound financial footing. Just popped into my head. Dean Smith said when I put it to him directly back end of last season, they're not in a situation where, again, to draw that parallel with, with Madison that summer, they have to sell in order to keep the wolf from the door. So, you know, that, I guess, when you've been at that stage of the cycle, then this this summer does represent a very stable footing. And off the back of, what was the last figure we heard? £30 million of, of a COVID hole. You know, for a self-funded club, £30 million. Well, you know, do the math, as the Americans say. Um, that's a hell of a amount of money that had to be found um, that may in other times under this model, if it hadn't had to be plugged into a COVID gap, it could have gone into transfers and, and football, you know, expenditure in terms of improving the squad. Um, but it couldn't. And that's the situation they and many other clubs have found themselves in. But, you know, it probably is worth tempering. Yes, this is probably the most solid financial platform they've been in since Weber arrived at the club going into a summer. But by no manner of means, does that mean they can go and, you know, repeat anywhere near the scale of the of the spending they did last summer, which was obviously for a Premier League season where they knew the Premier League reserves were being t- turned on and uh, continuing to be turned on. Now the landscape shifts again. They're back in the Championship. Yes, they want to come back, but they also have to financially plan mid to longer term. What if they don't get up this season? What, they can't be in a situation where they overextend themselves this summer. It doesn't happen for whatever reason. And they're still in the championship this time next summer because then you are getting back to, and as Weber said and has said and has repeated, the state of the club that he inherited, whenever he goes, he doesn't want to hand the keys over and his successor is inheriting essentially what he left. You know, that to him would be more or less suggesting he you know, he hasn't had the impact he wanted to have um, if he's left the club in the same fragile financial state that he inherited. So so for those reasons, um, that's where we're at. You know, yes. And also, uh, the only final point I would say, because it's just popped into my head again, Steve Morrison, Cardiff manager, formerly of the parish, I saw some quotes from him saying that a lot of the other championship clubs, because it's all relative, that's the market Norwich are competing with now, they are they are in serious financial trouble because they haven't had the Premier League revenues that Norwich have been able to uh, you know gorge on in in two of the last three seasons, and as a result, you know uh, there'll be a lot of Championship clubs who who won't be able to even entertain doing any business. I'm sure, and you can see that already with the volume or, or lack of activity around the Championship more generally. So in that context, a Norwich who are stable financially, can do one or two bits, could do a bit more if they could sell one or two of their assets. That does put them at a, an advantage to the rest of the championship, but it but it's not what we what we had last summer where they, you know, the checkbook could be opened and checks could be written uh, on a scale which had never before been seen by by Norwich City, certainly since Stuart Weber arrived at the club. Um for obvious reasons that that isn't the the, the environment they're they're inhabiting now. Um but that's where we're at. Yeah. Yes, financially stable, probably financially as healthy as they have been under the Stuart Webber's tenure, but not at the level where they can, you know, go and spend four, five, six million pounds on a player. No, and, and that's sort of telling in in the Isaac Hayden deal because I'm I'm sure that was the deal that they'd have loved to have done on a permanent basis. But the fact it's kind of um, done with the option of that includes promotion, I suppose, as a key caveat to them producing a fee, as we saw with Demetrius Yunulis and Ben Gibson last time around, probably indicates around where they are in terms of finances and what they can what they can pay on players. Obviously, that differs significantly when they're in the Premier League. So, um, and as you mentioned, being in the best financial state that they've been in since Stuart Webber arrived, considering where they were when he arrived and the situations that they've encountered since maybe isn't um, a particularly pros- prosperous place um, in comparison to maybe the, the the picture that's painted. So that's worth bearing in mind as well. Sam, I'll, um, I'll, I'll put David Footer's question to you on Facebook. Um, he said, uh, what do you think will happen to the players we loaned out? And he's listed Sonani, McCallum, Josh Martin. I suppose you could probably chuck um, Onel Hernandez and Jordan Hugill into that as well. Um, 
how I, I suppose maybe a rewording that question slightly is which ones do you think will will have a chance of being in and around it next season? I suppose pre-season will probably be a big indicator for for perhaps who those players are in Dean Smith's mind. Yeah, and obviously we, we know that Dean Smith is, is keen to have a look at those sorts of players um, this summer in pre-season before he sort of, you know, formally assesses his squad and, and decides which players are going to be involved in, in which ways. But I'd say of those at the moment, purely logistically, it's probably Sam McCallum because they've got one left back in the building uh, effectively. Obviously, Sam Byram um, has covered there effectively before, but I think if you're, given his injury record, if you're relying on him um, as a backup, then then you've got issues really. So I'd say uh, Sam McCallum is probably before, unless they're actively looking to sign a left back or, or they can get one of those over the line before long. Um, I think he's probably got a, a decent shout depending on, Dean Smith's assessment of Daniel Sunani, I think he he probably has a a good opportunity to at least stake a claim because, you know, as we spoke about earlier, obviously there's that huge creative hole that they're trying to fill and and of all of those players now coming back, he probably looks the most likely to to be able to fill that hole. I mean, he's a man who said himself, uh, and we, we carried the quotes a, a little while ago, that Huddersfield were, were would have signed him if they'd gone up to the Premier League. So although his his stats haven't been, uh, you know, in terms of just goals and assists, haven't been incredibly impressive. I mean, they've, they've been okay, but although they haven't been incredibly impressive, there's a, a football club that clearly um, has a, a decent record with recruitment, overachieved last season, is, is a club that's doing quite well, wanted to take him up to the Premier League with them. So that, that tells you what, what his abilities can be. Um, it's just down probably to... to what he he does for Dean Smith, I would say of all of the the players returning from loan, he's probably the one that's the most in the balance in terms of it could it could go either way. I think Ono Hernandez, although there's a lot of um, a lot of goodwill towards him from Norwich fans, obviously because of the the, um, the fantastic personality and the um, the memories from the sort of 2018-19 period. I think a lot of people have forgotten that. The last season he spent in the championship with Norwich, he got zero goals and zero assists. Um, and he's he's never proven effective at Premier League level either. So I think it's expecting a lot um for him to to revive his career as a, a serious force in, in the Norwich team. I mean, I'm I'm hopeful that I'm proven wrong because I think Norwich fans are desperate for that sort of connection um to return between them and the players. But yeah, there's a few of them where there's maybe been um a sort of over uh, sensationalising of their ability because of how poor the players that were in the building last season have been. But you look at Jordan Hugo, he wasn't particularly impressive, even in a team that absolutely stormed to the championship title um, two years ago now. It's a similar situation with, with Ono Hernandez. And yeah, I, I, I struggled to see more than two or three of those players playing any sort of a role in the Norwich team next season. But I'd say Daniel Sinani has a, a great opportunity to, to really leave his mark on things if, if he, he wants to. Particularly given what we've said about maybe some of the business being pushed later in the summer, if it is dependent on outgoings, and Norwich City is still looking for a creative presence or an attacking midfielder, he, he will have pre-season to stake his claim. And I actually do feel that having watched patches of him at Huddersfield, that there are elements that Dean Smith will really like about him if he can get out that consistency that maybe he lacked at Huddersfield. So that's going to be an interesting one. Jordan Hugill I'm fascinated by because there will, as there is every time he's made available, there will be championship clubs who who like the look of him, who would be willing to to take him either on loan, well, probably on loan, giving his his wage situation again. Um, so that's an interesting one, I think, to to, to be aware of. Onel Hernandez is, is interesting. And although you referenced that stat, worth adding that he, he was injured for, for a portion of that championship season. So that will have impacted it and um, seemed to impress at Birmingham. But again, that was a club who really struggled to do anything in the championship last season. And uh, his, his Middlesbrough loan was cut short because obviously Chris Wilder um, doesn't play with wingers, essentially. So that made life a little bit difficult for him. But all of these players, it does feel like there's opportunities for them in pre-season, given where Norwich City's squad is at the moment and the bloated nature of it as well. So, and, and obviously the performances last year and some natural holes in the team, as you as you mentioned, left back. I'm sure Sam McCallum will be absolutely determined to prove that he should be uh, the one that fills that hole. And actually, Norwich City don't need to dip into the market um, for a new one of those. So there's there's lots of moving parts to that. And that, to me, probably coupled with how the young players like John Rowe and Tony Springett come back is probably going to be one of the more interesting facets of 
of pre-season, um, I think. Um, Dan Emery has commented said these players have been promoted twice, but have been carried by one of the best players the Championship has ever seen in Emi Buendia. Certainly in the second season, the first season, um, it, it was a little less impressive, albeit still a, a major part of what Norwich City did. Absolutely. Um, there was some questions, which I'm trying to get up, Paddy, about Timu Puki. Someone asked about him, but I'll I'll ask you about him now on their behalf because I can't find the comment. I'll flash it up as you're talking. Um, where where do you think Norris City are with Timu Puki? Because I, I mean we've we've reported and uh, and have reported for a couple of months that there is interest in him. There will be interest in him. That's natural after the Premier League season that he had uh, 11 goals and a team that finished bottom of the Premier League. And with the number, there you go. Um, the with the numbers um, that. Norwich City produced is is a staggering feat, really. Uh, Olympiacos was a club that sort of been named to us as uh, as one that was monitoring his situation. Uh, I'd be surprised if they were one of a few. His comments, I think people have read into as being perhaps a little bit non-committal on, on, on his future. I think I'm, I'm probably fair in, in, in saying that. Although, again, from what we've been told, he's, he's, he seems very happy in, in Norwich and in Norfolk. And we know he's, he's not the type of character to, to unrock the boat, so to speak. So what do you make of Timu Puki and his future this summer? Because he'll be a player that Norwich City are desperate to keep. 12 months left on his deal. It's a really interesting situation that he and the club find themselves in at the moment. It is, yeah, absolutely. but. Dean Smith's word when will Team Pookie be here next season? I envisage him staying here, which you can interpret any way you want, depending he, on where he also not. said, just to jump in, that he thought Todd Campbell would be at Norwich at the end of January, and that didn't come to pass. So, did he say that? Did he? Yes. Okay. Yeah. There you go. So you're basically saying uh, maybe not take what he's saying. Uh, well, to be fair, envisage isn't envisage isn't a 100. percent He'll definitely be here. No, that's what it? I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. So you know. Uh, if, if you want to take that as he will definitely be here, you could, maybe. Or or if you feel, no, he's left himself a bit of wriggle room, you could as well. He was a very good politician's answer, I thought, when he, yes. he trumpeted that on a couple of occasions. Um, and the reality is, Dean Smith knows, going back to what we said right at the outset, Norwich's chances of coming straight back uh, and measurably improve if Timu Puki is the Timu Puki who, who cut a sway through the last two championship seasons. Worth reiterating, he's now 32. You know, there are a hell of a lot of miles on that particular clock. I mean, he's only just knocked off for Finland on the 14th of June. You know, he played four Nations League games. Um, so don't expect to see him in the early part of, of Norwich's pre-season. And as a result, there's always that nagging doubt now that, you know, have we seen the best of him? You know, it, it's an ask, um, particularly in the Championship, to go again and again and again and continue to be right at the front rank, you know, two seasons ago in the championship, he led the way on the goal charts. Second time around, I think Tony uh, just edged him out, but he was again on the sort of top step in terms of championship predatory strikers. And he's coming off the back of, in a very, very poor side, 11 goals in the Premier League. So you you would think, you know, if there is a a slight decline, it's it's a pretty minimal one and that he would still score in the right setup with the right players around him, plenty of goals. So it's absolutely imperative that, you know, that they keep that man in the building. So if that is the case, I think something needs to happen with him contractually because he's, you know, 12 months out now, even though he, you know, by all accounts and everything you see from a distance, every time you have an interaction with him, he doesn't strike me as a guy who would, with the toys would go out of the pram and he would be difficult and he would be uh, somebody who'd have to be managed or, or kept on side. So I don't think that in the background would necessarily distract from from what he would give you on the pitch. But by the same token, 32, 33 by the end of this coming season, he's got a young family. He will want a little bit of security in terms of as he enters the twilight of his of his playing days. Certainly at the level he's at now, in terms of a contract that 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 you might be able to command now, that wouldn't be the case uh, maybe eighteen months on, two years on from now. I think he he would probably be well within his rights to hope that there'd be some security in terms of extending the contract and, and Norwich showing that faith in him and giving him that signal. If they are the, the signs or the overtures that he and his representatives have been getting from Norwich, and you would expect that is the case, then I could conceivably see at some point uh, a new contract on the table for that man. And, and then, you know, definitively, we know he's here, we know he's on board, we know he's certainly here for this season and maybe the, the, the one or two beyond that. While that isn't the case, and certainly while the window is open, I think it's inevitable there will be that speculation. There will be that air of, yes, everything I'm hearing from Dean Smith or whoever or Timu himself is that they want this 
union to continue in green and yellow. But until you get that maybe signal in terms of a new contract or, or the window comes and closes and he's still here and it clearly is a Norwich player, I think there will be a degree of uncertainty. And um, a lot easier to manage this situation because he's an experienced player and he isn't going to have to draw a parallel with with Todd Cantwell and Emi Buendia in that first championship season after relegation when Farker was having to leave him out of that game against Bournemouth and sight maybe a lack of focus around transfer speculation. I couldn't see that impacting Timu Pugi in any way, shape or form. So that isn't a concern. But by the same token, you know, you've got a, a player there 12 months from the end of his contract. Um, there will be interest. There is interest. And, and Norwich may have a decision or two to make. Um, and, you know, if the finances come into play and you know, they have to weigh up, well, we're getting offers on the table that, that, you know, can we turn them down for a player who's 32 going on 33? You'd like to think that would be the case because, I, I mean, we're talking about shifting the mood music. I don't know what 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 the reaction to your fan base would be if you let Timu Buki out the door this summer, uh, particularly if there wasn't any adequate replacements coming back the other way. Um, so it's very hard to see a scenario where Norwich would sanction that man's departure. They took up the option to protect themselves, to give them that insurance policy. And, and basically it's for Norwich now, in conjunction with Timu and his representatives, to decide the next step. Uh, I, I don't think they would be pressured into selling him at all, um, even if there were some very attractive offers, because as we discussed in the last segment, they're not in a scenario this summer they have to sell financially they have to sell they don't have to financially sell they want to sell clearly to be able to reinvest that money into the squad to improve the squad for smith to put his own stamp on the squad but that's a very different dynamic to essentially having their hand forced and having to offload their better players so we have to take dean smith at face value and, and he envisages that timmy pookie will be leading his line next season and um we all hope that is the case, but I think there'll be a few bumps between now and, and September the 1st and the end of the transfer window. Um, but what would, I would hope is that, you know, and I would expect is maybe when he comes back after his holidays, you know, probably any initial talks on a new deal, they'd probably pick up that baton again. And, you know, certainly he deserves to be uh, very well remunerated because his service up to this point, and also more importantly now, what he could offer the football club moving forward, um, I don't think there's a debate. You know, you pay him what he's what he's worth to you, and and at the minute he is worth a hell of a lot to Norwich because you take Timu Puki out of this squad, where are the goals coming from? I just don't see it. So, um, yeah, absolutely imperative for me within the context of having a squad good enough to be competing at the right end of the championship that that man stays in the building. Yeah, a few a few parts to this for me, which is a as you mentioned, is a team really going to stump up the amount of money needed to to make Norwich City part with him? I'm not sure they are, just because of his age profile for one. I think paying that for a 32, 33 year old, it just doesn't really happen in in football unless you're utterly convinced. Um, particularly when there's the opportunity to to sign him on a free in a year. Um, but I'll, I'll come back to that. Um, the only situation that I could foresee a situation where Norwich City maybe have to sell him this summer is if he comes back and says, no, I'm not signing a new deal. Um, and then obviously Norwich will have a decision to make over whether they go for getting a fee or whether they go for getting a year in the championship and him helping what they hope to be a promotion campaign. Obviously, he's 22 goals now from 100, isn't he, in terms of Norwich City. He'd be the, the third player in, in the club's history to do that. That would be a, a remarkable milestone. Um, how much he cares about that, I suppose only, only he could answer. But um, it would be it would be a shame if, if he wasn't then obviously have a, had a season to, to try and, uh, and do that. But of course, you've got the element that if he does come back and he does communicate that actually he is going to um, leave next season, come what may, then you have a situation where foreign clubs can then obviously negotiate with him in six months anyway, and he could sign a pre-contract with a club from abroad, which would then essentially mean that Norwich City would lose out on a fee anyway. So then in that situation, they would then potentially look to get a fee for him. So there's a lot of moving parts, I think, to this. But ultimately, if Timu Puki comes back and indicates he's happy, as, as you quite rightly say, Paddy, and we've got no reason to suggest he wouldn't be, all, all the noises is that he very much likes playing for Norwich City and living in Norwich. Um, so that would point towards him being happy to prolong his stay. But you'd, as, as you rightly say, you'd have to probably see that backed up in terms of a new deal. But lots of different elements around 
around that one. Um, just to finish off, we had a couple of people asking about investment talks. That situation is, is, is as is from our understanding. Um, talks still ongoing. These things take time. Um, they were at an early stage anyway uh, when, when we reported that story. So that's no news is good news in, in, in this situation. And, uh, and from what we've been told, um, the obviously the report, the, the fact that reports have, have got out there hasn't um, sort of damaged those talks in, in any way, which is obviously um, positive news. So no news on that. A couple of people asking about the Cortiba partnership we don't have much more to say on that we're, we're trying to um, maybe sort some content pieces around that um in in the coming weeks and days so, so keep an eye on the pink and app for that uh, and then just finally boys i thought we'd end on obviously fixtures coming out tomorrow i mean I'm, i must confess i'm not massively fussed by them because it's you play every team twice right uh in fact i'll be at headingly tomorrow watching watching england play new zealand in the third test so that that goes to show how how um how, how much my interest is but I've got a funny feeling we're going to be heading to Sunderland on a Friday night, I must say. And I've told you boys this already. Um, I could just see that being the first game. And Sam, from I think we've, we've said this a few times already, really, but we're probably expecting it to be an away game and for Norwich to have requested an away game because obviously the Elton John concert, I think, was was it last week? Um, so that's that's quite a short period of time to work on the pitch. They're, they're obviously um, completing some branding, which um, lots of people have seen as well around the stadium, but there's some upgrades to the floodlights. So all of those factors probably mean that Carroll Road isn't going to be game ready for the opening weekend, um, or that is an extremely tight schedule to get it ready for the the weekend if you can give yourself an extra week or two then then you give yourselves the opportunity to do that so we're probably expecting an away game first um coupled with the fact i think that the athletic reported about um pride weekend as well um, and, and policing considerations so on that basis I, i'm asking you to look into crystal ball the fixtures come out nine o'clock tomorrow where are we going to be heading on the opening day i'm i'm being even more pessimistic than you and saying swansea or cardiff i think um I this is going to be my my first season uh, traveling to watch games while living in Norfolk, so I I am I'm quite worried about the the away games. To be honest, it's going to be something that I'm going to have to get used to. Obviously, uh, you boys, I think uh, you were slightly the company's more. Good job, company's good, Sam. So true, so true. Um, so I'm I'm excited to to travel with you boys, but uh, no, I think that's probably the reason why um, I was surprised at how sort of fed up with the process you were towards the end of the, the season so I'm not I'm not looking forward um I'm not looking forward greatly to those sorts of things but for that it does give me just 10% more chance to care about fixture lists uh this season so yeah probably the biggest fixture release day of my life tomorrow which is a obviously an, an enormous occasion Absolutely. EFL Cup draw as well tomorrow. No City are in the south section for that, um, which means they could play anyone from Ipswich to Plymouth, um, which is uh, which is interesting. So we'll see who, who comes up for that. Norwich City, of course, in round one because they finished bottom of the Premier League. Burnley and Watford pushed into round two because they uh, they finished in 19th and 18th. Pad, I think I know the answer you're going to give me, but who, who do you fancy opening day of the, the championship season? Is it is it someone who wears sky blue by any chance? Uh, no, it isn't, Connor. The simple reason is, I, I don't. obviously you boys are not aware, but I'm, I'm away for the first week of the season, uh, family holiday. So I do not want to have Coventry away and, and not be able to go to the Rico. Uh, well, it's no longer called the Rico. Uh, it's the Coventry Building Society Arena now. But uh, given their sojourn to St Andrews uh, for too many seasons than I care to remember, I, I would not be happy in my house if I miss out on the Rico uh, Conference Society Arena, a uh, first game or, or even the second game, I might miss that one as well. So, uh, yeah, so I'm quite happy if it's Swansea, as Sam calls it, or you reckon Sunderland, bring it on because I'll be sipping a pina colada somewhere watching. Well, probably won't be on the box, will it? That's that's the that's the level we're at now. Well, there will be a Friday night game, won't there? So Sky select one from the Championship. Um, so who knows? But uh, yeah, not. It is quite big in my house because my wife can then plan my life for the next nine months and where, where we're going to be. And, and with a lot more certainty than the Premier League, when, as we know, um, whatever the fixtures that come out in the Premier League, you might as well, you know, throw them all up again because they'll be getting changed for TV picks and what have you and uh, this, that, the other. So, um, yeah, no, it, yeah, it's more the certainty of what my life looks like for the next nine months. That's the, that's the main driver when fixtures drop. So, uh, yeah, yeah, so bring it on. Swansea, Cardiff, uh, Sunderland, uh, Blackpool, Preston, any of those in the first week, boys, I'll be delighted to see those. 
Yeah, I bet you will. We're, we're gonna have we're gonna have to go to all of them eventually. So you might as well get one away when the uh, when the sun is shining and the nights are longer. That's that's kind of my view on it. So I wouldn't. I personally, I wouldn't mind a long trip on the way day uh, on the first day. Sorry, um, but we shall see. Nine o'clock tomorrow. Of course, those get released. They'll be on the Pink and Channels, um, Pink and Plus app as well. If you're yet to subscribe to that, this is the best time to do so ahead of preseason, ahead of a new season, as we uh, begin to ramp our coverage up. Of course, it all starts again next week at Deerham Town uh, next Friday, which is. Um, staggeringly short turnaround. I think it's, it was a month ago today that Norwich City played Tottenham. So um, that is, that's quite staggering. The players return to, to Colney tomorrow for their, their testing. Some staff, I believe of, uh, no Friday, sorry. Some of their, some staff have already returned today. So again, we're beginning to see the new season ramp up now. Fixtures really does mark that. So uh, yeah, we shall see. And hopefully within, with that, we'll, we'll have some more transfer news to bring you as and when. Paddy, Sam, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you all very much for watching. And we'll see you again on a show probably like this very, very soon.